From the Heritage Foundation, this is Heritage Explains. At this pivotal moment, I see several priorities for the global agenda. You're listening to the voice of Klaus Schwab, the founder and president of the World Economic Forum, an international non-governmental organization known for its yearly meetings of political and business leaders in Davos, Switzerland. The stated goal of the World Economic Forum is improving the state of the world by engaging business, political, academic, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. In this clip, Schwab underlines some key components of what that rather neutral-sounding mission actually means. We must continue to fight against the global pandemic. We must revitalize the global economy and accelerate its transition to net zero. We must preserve biodiversity by deploying nature-based solutions, and we must narrow the gap between the rich and the poor to achieve more sustainable global development. Net zero carbon policies, draconian vaccination regimes, wealth redistribution programs, the subjugation of local elected officials to global unelected elites. All of these are common themes of the World Economic Forum. And the keynote speaker that Schwab is introducing in this clip, that would be President Xi Jinping, the brutal general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party. It's safe to say that we at the Heritage Foundation are not fans of the World Economic Forum. And yet, this week, our president, Dr. Kevin Roberts, will be attending the event in Davos, Switzerland. Why has he made this choice? I sat down with him to ask that very question. Dr. Kevin Roberts, welcome back to Heritage Explains. Mark Guiney, I love doing this with you. Well, that is a nice thing to hear. I appreciate that. Well, Happy New Year to you as well. And, you know, as the president of the Heritage Foundation, you tend to get around a lot. You're speaking at a lot of conferences. You're hosting and attending a lot of meetings. You're talking to our supporters in all kinds of different context. But you know what? The word on the street is that your next trip is going to feature you eating cricket nachos with Bill <laughs> Gates and Al Gore. Is it true? What's going on? It, it is true, Mark, that I will be in the same building as people who against their, well, maybe not against their better judgment, eat cricket nachos. I will not be eating cricket nachos, nor will I be eating anything with those people. But I am going to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, to be able to explain to them why they shouldn't be eating cricket nachos. And they also shouldn't be talking about climate change. And they shouldn't be running roughshod over our rights. And they shouldn't be wagging their finger against the United States of America. But I'll stop because I know you probably prefer a shorter answer. (laughs) We are sitting down today indeed because you've been invited to speak at the World Economic Forum. And we at Heritage have some pretty deep disagreements with that organization. Indeed, They've come more and more into the mainstream as other people have had concerns 
uh, about some of the ideas expressed. So can you give us kind of the 10,000-foot view, what is the World Economic Forum, and what is the philosophical divide that conservatives and principled Americans have with the World Economic Forum? The World Economic Forum is the greatest concentration of nonsense in the history of the world. If it were merely, however, the nonsense mark, it would be laughable. But in fact, when I say nonsense, I, I include the evil nonsense, like somehow climate change is a real concern, but we're going to fly 1,700 private jets to Davos, Switzerland, and then lecture the United States of America and regular Americans about how evil they are. It would be sort of benign nonsense if it didn't happen to include as is on this year's agenda, something called disease X. Now, even some of our friends who know that we're not conspiracy theorists might hear or listen to me say that and say, well, Roberts is kind of making this up. No, this is on the agenda. If we, if we really wanted to sicken our friends who are watching or listening to this, we could read the agenda. I mean, it is, it's, it's beyond the pale, all kidding aside. But the purpose of the World Economic Forum is to bring together political and economic leaders, political and business leaders primarily, into an annual conference to set the agenda of how there can be an entity that supersedes the nation state. That, that's, that's really what the attempt is. And unfortunately, there are some American political leaders over the years, both on the left and the right, unfortunately, some business leaders from the United States who participate in this. And so I never anticipated never wanted to go to the World Economic Forum. And I was shocked, as all of us at Heritage were, to have gotten the invitation. And even though I would prefer not to go, I have accepted the invitation to go read them the Riot Act. This is the most polite way I can put it. So obviously, they are well aware that the Heritage Foundation doesn't support their philosophy. However, they saw fit to extend this invitation. So what have they asked you to speak about? I, I can't imagine that they sent you an invitation that said, please come and read us the Riot Act. What's in this for them? No, the invitation didn't read that way. They they sent the invitation. It came via our, our great friend and colleague, Dr. Niall Gardner, uh, who certainly is no fan of the World Economic Forum. And they said, we would love to have Kevin speak because we're trying to rebuild trust with institutions on the center right. And in fact, the theme that we would like Kevin to speak on is on rebuilding trust. Now, you know, Mark, as, as I'm sure our supporters do, that in addition to the policy and political work that we do, we also do as much work on institutions, on, on helping new schools and helping new organizations. So I'm often motivated by this idea of how we save institutions. So I thought about it and, and frankly even prayed about it and, and said, yeah, that's a theme that I can speak on. Well, as it turns out, the theme that I will be speaking on is what are the plans for the next conservative presidential administration? That's actually a great opportunity to talk about how the next conservative presidential administration, which we hope is inaugurated on January 20th, 2025, needs to take a sledgehammer to the entire agenda to the World Economic Forum. So yeah, can you spell out a little bit of what your message might include? You know, not to completely give everything away, but what are you planning to say? Yeah, I neither want to bury the lead nor uh, reveal everything that I'm going to say, but it'll be along the lines of saying, thank you for the invitation. I, I don't want to be disrespectful too much, but I, I will really be focused on how those who attend the World Economic Forum simply don't know what time it is 
in the world or in the United States. By that, I mean they don't understand that from the perspective of the average American, the American dream is no longer attainable. One of the reasons it's no longer attainable is because there have been people at the World Economic Forum who have accrued, I think, in a very evil way, uh, certainly unethically, a concentration of power that also is a concentration of wealth. It is beyond what any conservative would anticipate. This is not wealth and power that happens as a result of the free market or the free exchange of ideas. These are people who use crises like COVID by the made-up crisis of climate change to take away our rights. And so my comments are going to be not just about those particular topics, but basically sort of like we did in the Declaration of Independence in which we articulated a few dozen charges against King George III. I'm going to read them a litany of horrible things that they've done, and I'm going to call them to account. So I think you can get somewhat of a taste of that by reading the article in The Blaze, which you wrote, uh, in which you talk about exactly why you're planning on going to Davos. It's a pretty scathing read. What kind of reaction are you expecting to receive? I'm expecting an overwhelming negative reaction by the attendees. And look, we don't live for this at Heritage, right? We don't do what we do to make people angry. We don't make gratuitous criticisms. We, we do our work in a very thoughtful way. And we often have to go into situations like the World Economic Forum where we don't have a lot of friends in the audience because we believe in the truth. And, and look, I'll be as cheerful as I possibly can, but I anticipate the reaction will be extraordinarily negative. Having said that, you know that I'm an eternal optimist. I think that there will be people there who, even if it's sort of secretly or privately, are glad that I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And I'm going to say it in a way that I hope is, while factual and maybe hard-hitting, is persuasive to those people. But the most important audience, Mark, is not the group of people who are attending the World Economic Forum, almost all of whom are opposed to what you and I believe. It's the audience who will be tuning in virtually. And I'm hoping that by doing two things, number one, factually indicting the in entire agenda of the World Economic Forum. And then secondly, as we always try to do at Heritage, showing what an alternative would be, like the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship, which met in the United Kingdom, or Project 2025, which is our presidential transition project. That, In other words, I'm not just there to complain. I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste the time and money to do that. I'm there to make a factual statement and then point to a much better alternative that honors the nation state, that honors the nuclear family, that honors common sense, that honors truth, that honors institutions that stand up for all of those things. I think we're in a cultural moment where we're seeing that there can be actions that create chinks in the armor of some of our elite institutions. We've seen that with the recent congressional testimony between the leaders of three elite colleges in the country, which has now had a lot of fallout. And I think this could be a similar I think this could be a similar kind of cultural moment. That's a really good metaphor because I, I hope that there will be some jousting on this panel. And and by jousting I mean hopefully the disagreement's respectful and civil and all of those things. I certainly will be. There's a way that we can declare a, a statement of really hard-hitting facts without being ugly about it. But the nature of jousting, you know, you asked this question of a historian, the nature of jousting is that you're either trying to put chinks in the armor or you're trying to find those gaps in the armor where actually you can land a really serious blow. And in a figurative sense, the blow that I want to land on the World Economic Forum on behalf of all of us who believe in heritage's principles is that they no longer can run roughshod 
over not just the average American, but the average person in this world. And I really want to give great encouragement and or perhaps even momentum to people around the world who have done things like elect a center-right leader of Argentina, who've elected a center-right leader in the Netherlands, who've elected a center-right leader in Italy, who, I can go on and on, maybe will elect a, a conservative leader in the United States. In other words, the majority of people in the world, just like the majority of Americans, are tired of the nonsense of the radical left. And if the only thing I succeed in doing on behalf of Heritage while there is putting a chink in the armor of the World Economic Forum that they have to defend, that they have to respond to, then that's a win. You mentioned optimism. You know, as ordinary citizens, we look at some of these kind of extra-governmental organizations, which for some reason hold a lot of sway over our own liberties and freedoms here in the United States, and who we are not in a position to be able to vote out. We didn't vote them in. They just exist beyond our influence as a people. There can be a certain hopelessness that comes with that, a certain feeling of futility. How do you respond to that feeling of hopelessness? The hopelessness is real. That is to say, we, we ought not respond to that hopelessness, which is well-founded, by saying something that sounds like hollow optimism. And in other words, we, we, we ought to extend people the courtesy of acknowledging that that emotion is real. And sometimes people will say they're despairing about a particular election or a candidate or a campaign. But most of all, that hopelessness is framed in the sense of the American dream is no longer attainable. And, but then what we specialize in at Heritage is positing what the solution is. And then if we get one solution after another stitched to yet another series of solutions over months and years, it starts to look like something that's a lot more hopeful than hopelessness. In order for us to achieve that, this is the key point. We have to be able to confront those people who stand in the way of that hopefulness. And they are people who are self-appointed globalist elites, like the people who go to the World Economic Forum, like the majority of people who are in the European Union Parliament, like the majority of people who are in the World Health Organization, these supranational organizations that because they run roughshod over the nation state, they are obviously going to run roughshod over individuals, over communities. When we confront people like that, you think about what's going on in Argentina and Italy and, and the Netherlands, then they start going on the run. And that's a way of saying that while I understand the hopelessness that exists, I don't, I don't think someone's a bad person or a bad American for feeling like you know maybe they're discouraged. Not only do I believe that there's real reason to be hopeful, but I believe that there's reason to be hopeful because we can take action. And, and here's an opportunity for us to maybe galvanize millions, tens of millions of people to go take that action. In other words, Mark, to, to conclude this point, in spite of all the reasons we have to be discouraged, we also have a lot of reasons to think that we're on the cusp of turning the corner on this hopelessness, but we're not going to do that if we sit on our hands. Thank you to Dr. Kevin Roberts for his contribution to this episode. You can follow Dr. Roberts on X at Kevin Roberts TX. In our show notes, you'll also find a link to his article, Why I Am Going to Davos. It's a great read and pulls no punches. As always, thank you for listening to Heritage Explains. If you have any feedback, thoughts, or questions, of course, you can send them to us at heritageexplains at heritage.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Take care. We'll see you next week.
Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It's written and produced by Mark Ghani, Lauren Evans, and John Pop.